We are naming it and claiming it, and I hope you are naming it and listening right now. Pop Culture Pastor. I mean, why why didn't Gone in 60 Seconds get nine movies? Why, why? It was a much better movie than Fast and Furious. Right? Um, and I'm more, I guess I'm a bigger fan of Vin Diesel. What changed? Of Nicolas Cage and Vin Diesel. What changed in the years that took place from Gone in 60 Seconds to the first Fast and Furious movie that made people like, oh, yes, I need to see eight more of those or however many there have been? Because what happened? Because essentially it feels like it's the same movie to me. Younger cast. Younger cast in Fast and Furious. Yeah. But not hotter than Angelina Jolie. That was like Angelina Jolie in her prime Angelina Jolie-ness, right? She was in Gone in 60 Seconds, right? Yeah, am she I, was, am I remembering she was that right? in it, but you don't have Paul Walker. Is Fast and the Furious female-driven? Is that why it's so popular? I think that it is approved yeah. by females, and so it is everyone can participate where I think Gone in 60 Seconds my sister, might, might not have had. My sister was big into Paul Walker. Same. Yeah. So that must have, it must be right around that age. Paul, Paul Walker was, was Paul Walker, that generation of girls, um, Alyssa Milano for my generation. <laughs> I would have said to keep with the consistency of it, Luke Perry. Luke Perry. Nice. Yes. Uh, Luke Perry. Uh, of prime the prime Beverly Hills 90210 years, yeah. Yes. They, all the chicks dug Luke. But not Jason. Not sadly. so much. Mm-hmm. Um all the girls I I remember thinking all the girls on Beverly Hills 90210. I was like no go. No go. <laughs> Tori Spelling, mm-mm. Jenny Garth, too nice. Shannon Doherty, too mean. I wasn't. There was young, no Goldilocks. Young, there. young Dave didn't want any part of any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this is of interest of everybody listening uh, of like celebrity crushes for for our younger selves. <laughs> Welcome to the Pop Culture Pastor Podcast. It's time to uh, to get in here and, and and talk about pop culture happenings. Last week, we're we're coming down off the chaos of our last pod with DJ. DJ was here. We talked documentaries for a long time, so this one will be shorter. We're going three hours today. No, no, we are not <laughs> going three hours today. Um, I listened to it again, and it felt a lot less... Ca- it was more charming listening to it than it felt recording it. <laughs> I, at some point, I just gave up talking in that last pod. It happens. But um, it, it felt a lot more charming, and I think it worked. Um, our promise to you is we are never going to edit this pod. Yeah. Some people edit. We do not. You get our full-fledged, uh, you know, thoughts. We don't edit out our likes, especially Cody's. Yeah. <laughs> like this and like that. Um, you have to do the likes, though. <laughs> Uh, all right. First thing we do on Pop Culture Pastor is always 
always uh, talk about what's happening in just some random pop culture news. Dakota Johnson, you know who she is, right? Yes, I do. A daughter of Melanie Griffith. Uh, she has... Or Don Johnson. Who? Don Johnson. <laughs> I know. Come on. Uh, she has... Uh, it has been confirmed that by EW, Entertainment Weekly, that Dakota Johnson is in talks with Sony to star as Madam Webb. In a new uh, Sony Spider-Verse movie. People have beef with this. Do, do they have beef? Yes. Okay. On multiple levels. Um, two different characters have held the mantle of Madam Web in Marvel Comics history. The original was Cassandra Webb depicted as an older, infirm, blind woman with precognitive powers. So she must not... That's that's not it. Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> you wouldn't cast her to be that. Well, right? that's what I think what everyone's latching on to is that version. Yeah. Well, that was the only one I knew because that was back when I read comics. Um, it's difficult to imagine that character at the center of a superhero movie. But in a 2011 comic, that Madam Web died and passed on her powers and blindness to Julia Carpenter, who was the former Spider-Woman. Carpenter has been Madam Web ever since and seems more like a fit for Johnson. Um, you know anything about the new Madam Web? Nothing except that she's blind. And so the issue on Twitter is um, she's not old and she's not blind. <laughs> and that if she was one of the two, Fine, give her the role. But since she is neither of the two, this seems like uh, discrimination in casting. Oh, gosh. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I am not doing anything. I am just relaying the information that the Twitterverse has given me. So Julia Carpenter, the second Spider-Woman. Uh, so this was a... I remember reading about her. She was the Spider-Woman in the black costume. And she first appeared in the Secret Wars oh. series way back in the 80s. Um, but uh, Julia Carpenter, second Spider-Woman, rather weird um, to be, for her to be getting her own uh, series without like this movie. So would they even, re would they rewrite it so she wasn't Spider-Woman at any point? This See, this is the part that's kind of strange. So she was. She kind of had different powers than the first Spider Woman. Oh, first Spider Woman um, had you know somewhat similar abilities to the first to, to Spider Man. I think Jessica Drew was the first Spider Woman. In fact, she becomes an agent of Shield. I don't know. Their history's all over the place. Really, they could do whatever with this with Spider this character. Spider Gwen. They, they could do whatever they wanted with this character, probably. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Dakota Johnson, it's a big name. They could really do whatever they wanted with it, which if I know Sony, they want to make a subpar movie. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll get their chance. Um, anyhow, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird character to just randomly insert, like, with a feature film. This is my problem with the whole Sony Marvel team up here. So they can continue to use Spider-Man in the MCU. Now Sony coming off the success of that No Way Home stuff and the multiverse and all that. They've got tons of movies scheduled. 
Like they're doing a Craven the Hunter standalone movie. I don't even, these characters are so thin uh, story-wise. Like Craven the Hunter, telling a Craven the Hunter story without Spider-Man, again, is like telling Venom without Spider-Man. It's the whole reason Venom could have been a much bigger movie. And it was already a big movie, but it could have been bigger. Yeah. Um, maybe that's what Sony's banking on, is that there really isn't much character. Uh, like, it's not so popular within the culture. And there's not a lot of source material to go off of that you go any direction. And if you do a good job making a movie then you can launch your own franchise and kind of just wing it from there. I can buy that logic. It's okay. So like take Morbius, for example. Oh yeah. Morbius could be a bad movie and it wouldn't disappoint me because he's not a huge character. No. He's not a character where I look back and go, Oh, don't you mess with my childhood? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's Morbius, the living vampire. Those are the comics I usually skipped. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm not that interested, but, um, yeah, it's it's similar to that where you're right. They could just tell a story and I could be into it or not into it. It's not like Venom where I'm just still it still boggles my mind that Venom has done as well as it has with no Spider-Man attachment. Because that character is beloved. Yeah. Um I I think that especially with this is the second straight show I'm doing this with the success of Peacemaker in the DC stuff that like no one knew who Peacemaker was before this Suicide Squad movie. I still don't because <laughs> I refuse to watch it just to make you mad. No, I'm going to watch it. I'll watch it. Um, spoiler alert. You get to see John Cena play the piano or you don't get to see him. If you know what I mean? Ayo. <laughs> oh, anyways, uh, next bit of news, if we can change gears, we'll get out of the comics quickly. Um, do you watch The Masked Singer? No. Yucky. <laughs> I mean, you're aware lots of people do, though. Oh, yeah. No, I've been forced to watch like an episode and a half <laughs> against my better judgment. So this is a singing competition among, um, the, they're already celebrities. They're already known people, but they're wearing these like large mascot outfits. Yes. And several uh, sites have said this is launched because of a successful show like it in Japan where Ryan Reynolds went on and sang. Oh, really? I want to say he was in a unicorn outfit. Why, wouldn't, why, didn't, this, why didn't we get Ryan Reynolds, the American version? That would have made it a lot more too cool for school in the U.S. of A. Instead, we get guys like, well, anyways, I'll just I'll get there uh, during a taping of the season seven uh, episode here uh, last week. One of the contestants was unmasked and revealed as past New York City mayor and personal attorney for former president Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, according to Deadline. In the year 2002 or 2003, this would have been a huge grab. Right? Rudy was like, everyone loved Rudy. Oh, yeah. After 9-11. He's throwing he out opening pitches and everyone's cheering for him. Has any politician taken a U-turn head dive more than Rudy Giuliani? Not in my lifetime. Oh, my goodness. Like, it's hard to explain to me. If you weren't aware of who he was around after 9-11... Um, if you're like really young or something, he was 
he was the cat's pajamas. Indeed. The bee's knees. And now everyone hates him, hates him so much, as a matter of fact, that in response to him being unmasked and having him having been on the show, Ken Jeong, uh, comedian uh, on the show Community. Um, real life doctor. The Hangover movies where he appeared full frontal nude. He had a problem and walked off the set, stormed off the stage, they said, with fellow judge Robin Thicke. <laughs> okay, so... How does Robin still have, like, any jobs? It's, I know. Like, you kind of lose your story. You kind of lose the luster on your story of being so offended of someone's ill character on your stage when Robin Thicke is one of your judges, right? Yeah. And I think Joel McHale's a judge on there as well. They got Joel and Ken? Yeah, it's like Joel a community and, reunion opposite. Joel and Ken do a lot of stuff together, and I'm happy for it. Uh, a source close to the set said Ken was super upset and indeed did storm out, they told people. Uh, Robin actually followed him because he and Ken are very close friends, and he wanted to check on him. Robin didn't storm out because of Giuliani. That's, that's what the source on the set said. Um, but Ken... Did uh, uh, the source continued that Ken felt disrespected and was livid to see that Rudy was under the mask, which is why he walked off and there was no way he could hide his feelings. Now, while I understand he may not be your favorite person in the world, is it worth storming off? Like, is he that bad? Or did he know the TV ratings gold he was going to strike up? Well, that could be. Because this isn't this is this an episode that's aired or no? Uh, it's aired now, and I know he's back for the next episode. Rudy is no. Oh, Ken, <laughs> Ken is Rudy's gone. He got booted. I mean, I think that would be like why? Why would you storm off? Why wouldn't you say, huh, "I'm glad you're gone. Get lost." You know what? I don't. If you're so mad at the guy, and for what? For being a political opponent of the people you like. Like, look, I love Ken Jeong. I just don't understand the... I don't really understand this in our common place, our, our today's um, political commentary, though, where this thing where we're so offended just at the presence of someone from the opposite side of the political spectrum. I think it was a, a media ploy. Okay, so you think... I'm going with that. You like, think Ken wasn't that upset, but he was playing along to something like part of a script or something. That, I, I mean, I can definitely see Ken being upset about this because he tends to be on the opposite side of the aisle of Rudy and um, is very outspoken against things that Rudy is outspoken for. Uh, so, I mean, I can see it, but I think the, the storming off and them playing it up cause like it was huge news Yeah, that, that, that was media. Well, and then that, that's Boy. my fear is that they keep playing off this divide and it just makes the divide bigger each time they do it. Um, back in season three, by the way, they had Sarah Palin as a contestant and nobody stormed off. Maybe mm. she's just not as threatening as Rudy. I thought Rudy was a joke. I thought everybody laughed at Rudy now. Uh, for the most part. I, I mean, I, I thought he was so inept at being Donald's lawyer 
that everybody that he had become a joke. I don't understand why we're we're upset with Rudy. Why why we're maybe, I can't be in the same room as this man. Maybe Ken watched Borat too. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin is going to confront his midlife crisis in a new docuseries. Uh, the production company behind HBO's Tina Turner doc, Tina, will produce Macaulay Colton's, Culkin's Midlife Crisis. That's the name of it. Uh, and he is partnering with Lightbox, the production company, behind that documentary of Tina Turner and Sundance's Princess Diana doc, The Princess, for a travelogue series that explores what it means to be middle-aged, according to Deadline. Questions that Macaulay will ponder include... How should we embrace getting older in a society that prioritizes youthfulness? What is midlife success and how is it measured? How can unbridled passion be preserved, not just for the youth? Sure, that's what it's going to be on. That's what they told him. He retired from acting like 20 years ago. This is going to be on his past, isn't it? <laughs> oh, They'll work that in somehow, but I mean, quite literally... What does he know about the common person's midlife crisis struggles? I know. That's why it seems like that's what they told him, right? This is clearly going to be on him, like looking back into his I young adult years, right? I don't know, because there was that Zac Efron docuseries where like, he traveled and learned about healthy eating. And I'm like, dude, you are way more fit than I am. So um, the the executive producers said this, despite his legendary status, like the rest of us, he's having to confront what it means to be a normal middle-aged guy uh, with a wife and a new kid who's soon going to be the same age he was when he became a massive global superstar, a kid who's going to be the same age. I said that weird. Yeah, because I was like, his wife no. is younger than he a is, but not kid, that yeah, much. A wife and a new kid who's about to be the same age Macaulay was, his dad was, when he became a massive superstar. We're thrilled to be working through our midlife crises with him on this exciting project. So it's not necessarily about him, although it kind of is, but him now? Is that, are yeah. we interested in that? No. <laughs> no. You are fabulously grumpy today yeah you are usually so much more positive not with this phony baloney news <laughs> i like this cody i'm feeling very positive today i'm i'm mildly interested in get seeing macaulay Culkin's macaulay Culkin, macaulay Culkin's ordinary life get off my lawn macaulay <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome Oh, okay. Um, this next little piece of news. Oh, my goodness, Cody. It uh, seems like it's a new person every week. Oh, oh, I thought that we were going to talk about the DC article you posted. The DC article? What article did I post? I don't know. Or have... the rumor about a new comic limited edition strip about them having dinosaurs. Oh, oh, that, that just came out today. Yeah. Yeah, the Justice League, the whole it's Justice League Jurassic. Yeah. And the idea is they like the the writers or the DC Comics put out a press release today. Legitimately said this. It legitimately said this, Cody. We want to reimagine the Justice League if they were dinosaurs. I'm here for it. 
and you're looking at me like I am crazy. But I'm here for what? I'm going to show you. They're dinosaurs. They don't talk. A real life. They're not even real. A real life comic. The Earth is only six thousand years old, Cody. (laughs) Here is a real life comic. And I own. Yeah, but nobody read Devil Dinosaur either. I own a Devil Dinosaur <laughs> comic. That's a Marvel. Yeah, I'm telling you, Marvel has done it. So yeah. DC is but not one-upping them and making it <sighs> Justice League themed. How does that even work? I don't know, but how, how it's does, a limited series. How does that even make sense? You're going to have a Superman dinosaur? Yes. Super dinosaur? Super dinosaur, bat dinosaur, wonder dinosaur, flash dinosaur. That sounds like you did too many drugs back <laughs> in the sixties. I mean, that is that is just bonkers, just bonkers. Yeah, that's where I thought we were going, and then we did not go there. So. No, we're not going to go there because that's not even worth talking about for too long. That's just so weird, so weird. Just know it's a thing. It's not a thing. Um, no, I was going like, you know, Martin Scorsese, uh, Ridley Scott, all of these directors have kind of pooed on Marvel, MCU, Disney, uh, and the way they do movies now. And now it's another guy's turn. Roland Emmerich, director of the new movie Moonfall, um, famously director of Independence Day. Okay, so... I'm going to be rude to Roland. Do you want to hear what he said first? I guess. And then I'll be really rude to him. He said, um, Marvel and DC Comics and Star Wars have pretty much taken over. It's ruining our industry a little bit because nobody does anything original anymore. That's what he said. You haven't done anything original since Independence Day. You've made the same movie over and over. Mm, it's harsh, but it's true. Yeah. Also, you did Independence Day. <laughs> look, at, look at this guy coming in like he directed Citizen Kane. What? What are you talking about, bro? So if he wants to make an original movie anytime soon, okay. I'm, I'm tired of end of the world disaster in the most weird, obscure way possible. I just don't, I don't get why these, well, first of all, the MCU is single-handedly saving movie theaters right now for As the most does. part. I mean, the pandemic, halfway into the pandemic, we were all talking about our theaters going to be the way we see movies anymore because theaters were shutting down. They're, they're losing money. Um, AMC would have gone bankrupt had it not been for the whole mean stock thing. That gave yeah. a little wind to their sales. Otherwise, who knows? We could be sitting here talking about no movie theaters to put movies in. This is true. I just, and then these guys come along and they trash it. They trash them. And you're just like, bro. Make something good. That's all you got to do. I, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't understand what these guys' problem is. Emmerich says, you should make bold new movies, you know? And I think, actually, Christopher Nolan is the master of that. Christopher Nolan made three Batman movies! He did. Single-handedly jump-started the whole superhero franchise thing. <laughs> what is this guy talking about? Although, t- 
Tenant was phenomenal. I give it two thumbs up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Inception was overrated, in my opinion. I thought it was good, but I just thought it was overrated. But I think a lot of those movies can be overrated. Movies that are supposed to be like groundbreaking and a uh, new way of looking at movies like the Matrix kind of got that run. And yeah. I feel like the Matrix was always overrated, although still don't throw anything at me. A good movie. The first one. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Everything I want to specify and say the first one. Everything after that was junk, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, anyways, Roland Emmerich was not done. Oh. Because then a couple days later. He had some thoughts about the new comedy Don't Look Up on Netflix. Okay. And listen, Roland Emmerich, man, when it comes to disaster movies, now he's actually playing around in his genre, right? Yes. Um, he sat down to talk with uh, Den of Geek about Moonfall, and they felt intrigued to hear his thoughts on Don't Look Up, the all-star disaster movie that's more of a political satire. Yeah. Um, and they were surprised by his answers. He said, quote, it's a little bit like they missed the point. Emmerich says about the bleak humor at the heart of McKay's epic length comedy. They were doing the same joke over and over and over. And at one point you don't laugh anymore. They should have taken it a little bit more serious. Also, I had a feeling that the meteor coming to earth is not the same as climate change. <laughs> He didn't get the metaphor. Um, also, he says his other criticisms, they should have played it more seriously, which, you know, okay, that fits. It's Emmerich, man. He's like, hey, take it seriously and destroy the White House like I do, buddy. <laughs> you know, and no Will Smith in your movie anywhere? Whatever. Um, I'm thinking of that cast. It's primarily white. Like, they could have had a person of color in it. I mean, Emmerich um, is is a pretty liberal guy. So it's it's interesting that he kind of, you know, didn't like the film. Um, he says it makes me depressed uh, when he's, he's talking about the climate change. There's also an inconvenient truth. Everybody was talking about the climate through the Bush years, went a little bit down. So he's like, he's pretty much, as I'm reading this, he's politically on the side of the makers of Don't Look Up. Yeah, but he he just he didn't didn't really much like it. Um, so having not watched it, like parts of it sound like um that Steve Carell movie, uh, looking for a friend for the end of the world. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, in which. Very depressing at the end, by the way. But, I mean, a meteor hitting the earth, destroying all life. Some people were denying it, then everyone was believing it, and then it's how do you process with it. Um, yeah, if you're going to make, an, I guess, a metaphoric allegory simile film, don't. I, I wouldn't have gone meteor either. So I, I'm I'm actually with him now. Well, it's it's clear they're tr they were trying to do a Doctor Strange Love type thing. Yeah, are you familiar with Doctor Strange Love? Yes. So it was like a kind of a commentary on on nuclear weapons, 
and um, except in this one, it's it's an asteroid. And yeah, I tried to watch some of it, and and the part Roland said about it's the same joke over and over. I I, I did get that. Yeah, like okay, we get it. the The White House people are dumb, and they're dumb dumb because they're dumb dumbs who don't think like you do. Dumb dumbs, yeah. you know, like. Uh, it, it was, it, it has a bite to it. If, th- if that movie would have come out 10 years ago, I think I would have liked it more, mm-hmm. but in our current, in our current, um, environment, <laughs> the way the, in our current context, it just seems like it's more mean. Great. You know, like it has a bite to it and edge yeah. that I don't know. It's like, again, I don't think this does us any favors. How does this help? Yeah. Although, you know. I'm not saying all movies need to help in some way. Sometimes they just need to be entertaining, but then be entertaining. Go all out with the funny. Like they could have done what Idiocracy did. I, I was thinking of Idiocracy and like, yeah. And quite literally, again, it worked like 10 to 15 years ago really well. Yeah. Well, and Idiocracy sold out on being funny because yeah. that's what Mike Judge, Mike Judge was funny. Yeah. And so this movie seems to sell out on, like, we're going to try and be funny here and there, but mostly we're going to get those Republicans. You know, like, there's just a bite to it. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, look, are, are some of those Republicans pretty dumb? Probably. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It seems like a lot of our uh, uh, representatives and senators aren't the brightest bulbs in the bunch. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. Um, I, overall, I don't think I was, uh, don't look up uh, the, what I did see, but it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Well, I mean, most movies that Netflix actually makes, I would say are at least decent, but at the same time, there's some that I know I don't want to watch. So, yeah. All right. That's that's pretty much the news we wanted to talk about this week. Get this news out of here. We're going to get this news out of here. It's time for us. We got to step out into the lobby, Cody. That's where we're, our new segment, we go out into the lobby. We answer some listener questions. You up for that? I am as ready as I'll ever be. All right. We're going to make our way out into the lobby right now. Let's go. answer some listener questions okay this is our new segment on the pod it's called the lobby and we need your help when we post these on our social media if you're not following us go on twitter go on facebook those are the two we're on right now we'll get on maybe we'll get on instagram soon i don't know that's a bold place (sighs) yeah i don't know if i'm cool enough for instagram but um go on there we every week we'll post our lobby prompt with a picture and it'll say the lobby on it and say, ask us your questions and we might use them on the podcast. And like, we're about to use these. Okay. All right. Uh, first question from Scott Dillon. What movie or character role would you cast each other in? So f- like an existing role, he's got, this is two part question. Oh, so, um, so not like an actor playing us, but like an already existing role. And right. We're in the well, movie. that's part two. Okay. So 
Part one is, is is if you were casting me in an already existing role, okay. what would it be in? I know the perfect one for you. I know the perfect one for you. Okay. Um, you would be the sidekick in National Treasure. Sweet. Yeah, remember the remember the guy in <laughs> National Treasure, oh man, who's helping out Ben Nick, Nick Cage. Is his name Ben? No, that's Nick Cage's character's name. Oh, yeah, yeah. You would be Riley Poole. I'm Riley Poole. Played by Justin Bartha. And frankly, you kind of look like him, so you can just take all Justin Bartha's roles. He was in the Hangover Hangover. movies. You could take those roles. I get to be left on the roof. (laughs) Spoiler. It's like the whole (laughs) crux of the movie, man. (laughs) I don't know. I just when When I saw that question, I just immediately thought, Cody would be that guy from National Treasure, the guy who's he's maybe it's because you 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 do such a good job of helping me out. Yeah. In in all this stuff we do. And but you're smarter than me and you're you're like you're the tech, you know. I just okay. you, you keep me grounded, like you keep Benjamin like uh, he kept kept Benjamin Gates grounded. I am the wind beneath your wings <laughs> or above your wings keeping you down. <laughs> Okay, so so who would I be? Um, a very popular character within the realm of pop culture, uh, Walter from The Big Lebowski. Oh man, gosh, I would love that. I love that character. I love that character so much. It's it's you know what's funny about this? I had a friend who was that guy. Like I remember seeing that movie, and so. It's almost like if I was that character, I'd be doing an impersonation of him. But the best man at my wedding here, what was that, 17 years ago now, um, is Walter Sobchak. I mean, he really yeah. is. He's a plumber in Lawrence. Good guy. Uh, but, yeah. But I, I, I could see it now. I could kind of be I – could, I could be Walter. Um, there's been a few soapbox moments. <laughs> Where I feel like I did not watch my buddies die face down in the muck where we could get kicked out of a diner. (laughs) I don't see what this has to do with Vietnam. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. I mean, if they did a modern like modernization of the movie and maybe didn't have it based around bowling and did like wreck basketball. Yeah, there you go. Spot I would, on you. Listen, I would never put my... That was the role of John Goodman's career. He was yeah. born to play that role. So I would never put my... I could never do that role justice. Only John Goodman. Well... But I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I've modeled it my whole life. It. I've modeled my whole life after Walter Sobchak, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, his second part of his question would be... And I'm going to make up from the lame first answer I gave for you. Okay. Because you're probably like, I don't want to be Riley in National Treasure. I'm going to make up for it here. Who would you pick to play the other host in a biopic of their own life? Okay. So if they were making a biopic about our lives, mm. I know who I would pick for you. And that actor has a great resemblance to you. I'm about to give you the well, great compliment. And his okay. name is Ben Barnes. Oh. Ben Barnes, who played Prince Caspian. In the Narnia okay. movies, uh, played Jigsaw in the Punisher series on Netflix. Yeah, uh, that Ben Barnes. I would have accepted Adrian Brody as well. See, you don't give yourself enough credit. You're way, you're a way better looking man than Adrian Brody. Well, thank you. 
Look, he got all flushed. He got yeah. all flustered. <laughs> no, no, no. Adrian Brody? Mm, I don't see it. You're a Ben Barnes. Okay. With facial hair. We'll put it up on the... We should put it up on the page after this pod comes out. <laughs> a little side-by-side action. Because we'll find, a, we'll find a picture of Ben Barnes when he's got the beard. And then... Like Adrian Brody and Predator, because I think he had facial hair then. Did he really? I want to say so. Man, I saw that movie. I don't remember that. I Maybe don't. he didn't. I know I've seen him with facial hair in movies. I think that's a bad sign if I can't remember if he had facial hair in a movie um, I saw. Although he, they're going to bring back all the people that were in Predator ever. What? Like, I, I heard that rumor that they're bringing back all the leads that were ever in Predator movies. <laughs> Why? Why not? Are they trying to do a connected uh, Predator universe? As, everybody everybody wants does. to copy Marvel. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible idea. Well, the, how many of them are like left alive at the end of their movies? Schwarzenegger. He's alive. Uh, who was in two? That was, uh, that was Action Jackson, wasn't it? That was Carl Weathers. Yeah. In two. Was he alive at the end of that? I don't even remember. I feel Brody survived. Brody, Brody's alive. Oh man, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put some studying into that. Yeah, uh, we'll move on to the next question. Oh, oh, well, again, you, you didn't yeah. tell me who I who play me. Okay, there's so, only one correct answer to this, and that is Chris Pratt. Really? There you go. Like yeah. I think he wow. he has your demeanor. He's got to wear a fat suit though. <laughs> <laughs> Or he's got to gain some Andy Andy Dwyer weight. Otherwise, we have to go with that guy from This Is Us. Now, see, Toby on This Is Us is a pretty good match for me. But you only get him if you can't get Kevin James. Oh. Most people <laughs> go with Kevin James if they're looking for a celebrity lookalike for me. I was going with Toby. Toby from This Is Us. That's a pretty yeah. good pick, though. He's like he he does the B movie of based on my life, right? Because he's not as he's not as big of an actor. Yeah, those are all good. You make Chris Pratt. I'm yeah. so honored. <laughs> I you, I figured you'd go a little mean with that. No, nice I, guys. I, I went with who do I think can pull off the range of emotion of Dave? Listen, clearly now we have to get some pop culture pastor swag. With Chris Pratt and Ben Barnes on it. Yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> if we ever get big enough to actually know people, that has to happen because it would be fantastic. It would be. Yeah, we look just like them. <laughs> uh, Justin John asks, as a person who thoroughly enjoys watching movies in the theater, I would like to know what was the first movie you saw in theaters. Okay, so you I know, got you mine. know this one. All right, um, and it it doesn't match the time frame I watched it in because Chanute would bring in old movies as well as the newer movies, mm-hmm. and so like this was like maybe the twentieth anniversary of this movie. For all I know, the Apple Dumpling Gang. Whoa! Yeah, that is that is a deep, deep cut. I'm not saying I was alive in the 70s, (laughs) (laughs) but they had it at the Chanute Theater, 
The Apple Dumpling Gang, 1975 what? film. Don Sorry, Knotts. Don Knotts. Yeah. And Tim Conway. Bill Bixby. <laughs> the whole gang was in it. <laughs> After three poor orphans are sent to live with gambler uh, Russell Donovan, who's played by Bill Bixby, they discover they have actually inherited a large fortune from their dead father. Soon, a series of greedy undesirables shows up. They try to get their hands on the money. This sounds a lot like, um, uh, what's the Netflix series based on Lemony Snicket? Yeah. That sounds a lot like the Lemony Snicket story. Did they borrow from this? I'm going to say so. Because I definitely watched this in theater long before <laughs> Netflix made their series. Only a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. I thought it was fun, but like it's super G rated. Yeah. Like it's above and beyond G. Hmm. And I think that my parents took us to it because like I'm probably in preschool when this is like brought in. And yeah. so like they watched it as kids and they knew, oh, that was a fun movie. Let's go take the kids to this. Because hmm. we didn't go to the movies as kids. Well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, the first movie you went to is Apple Dumpling Gang. Because it was probably discounted, right? I assume. I don't. I'd have to ask my. I parents. mean, they didn't, they weren't charging you full movie price to go watch the Apple Dumpling Gang in nineteen ninety whatever. Yeah, like probably ninety four. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. Um, first movie I ever went to see. I was seven years old, and my mom took me to see Return of the Jedi mm. in the theater. I can remember the theater it was in. Well, it's not there anymore. It was in Topeka on Topeka Boulevard. I thought you were going to say Smokey and the Bandit. No, no, no. I, I was not an early moviegoer. Well, I mean, my parents could have taken me in when I was a baby, I suppose, and I might not know about it. <laughs> but the first movie I remember going to was Return of the Jedi in the theater. Um, one of my most beloved movies. I mean, I literally watched Return of the Jedi every time I stayed home sick from school. Every time I played hooky. Every time. Yeah, I had a routine. I'd watch this. I'd watch Goonies, and then a third movie that revolved. <laughs> um, it revolved. Sometimes it was Rocky Four. Sometimes it was The Burbs. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I just had a revolving door of movies. But Return of the Jedi, just uh, boy, I remember when I saw it because I had obviously seen Star Wars and Empire on TV yeah. when they played on TV, which you know back then. We didn't have streaming, obviously. We didn't even have a... I, by that time, we, VCRs were a thing, but very rare. Rich people had them. So you weren't recording them? No, 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 no. Time. Not not yet. Not in 1983. And so we... What I did... When I saw Star Wars and Empire was when they'd come on TV on, like, primetime. Mm. So they would show the movie on NBC or CBS or whatever, broken up by commercials. Yeah. But it was like appointment television for me. And so seeing that movie in the theater was the first time I really got to watch a movie not broken up by commercials and all that. And um, I can still just remember the feelings I had. I was scared of the ranker monster. I like hid in front of the behind the seat in front of me. I couldn't watch. Uh, but that was the only part I got really scared. Um, I punched the guy beside me when Boba Fett died. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but my geek cred would have gone up if even then seven-year-old Dave was mad that Boba Fett died or didn't die. Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, so something weird happened to me uh, this past weekend 
like I'm at my parents' house and my nieces and nephews are there and um like we're watching a movie on TV and it goes to commercial and they're like, What is this? <laughs> and my mom says to my sister, like, they really struggle with commercials. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. My kids are like, Hey, you couldn't spring for the the premium? <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't spring for some YouTube premium up in here? Yeah, my my nieces and nephews are little, little kids, so they don't know about premium yet. Yeah, um, it is weird to watch kids react to certain things today and, and try to imagine. I try to tell my kids what it was like for us to watch TV, and they just don't get it. They have no yeah. concept of waiting for something. Or right. like having to turn to the TV Guide channel. Oh yeah. Or having yeah. a grandma that subscribed to TV Guide and then having yeah. to look through it. Well, I mean, so I have a hard time explaining to them the idea that if I wanted to watch Wizard of Oz, I had to wait for the one time a year when like one of the networks would put it on as their movie of the week. Yeah. And that that was a big deal. Like we had to be home for that. Like, I'd, I want to watch Wizard of Oz Friday night because it's on. And it'd be once a year type deal. And and I, it's hard to explain to my kids what that was like. Um, but we had to, even as a kid, you learned, okay, you learned how to make plans, really. Yes. Like, I'm going to be here at this at this time in front of the TV on this channel to watch this movie. And that was that was how we lived. It was good stuff. Maybe Netflix should have a feature where once you watch something or start it if you don't finish it it disappears for like an extended amount of time <laughs> see how quickly society falls uh um after that my mom doesn't take me to a movie for a while uh so the next movies i see the next three movies my dad takes me to all of them um mostly because he's going out on dates with girls my parents got divorced when I was really young, so I would go spend weekends with my dad. Mm -hmm. So one of the movies was I remember a date to the woman he eventually ended up marrying. Oh, but well, I was there <laughs> as we watched Ghostbusters in 1984. Classic. Also scared. <laughs> but I remember laughing, too. I remember liking that movie. Um, then my dad also took me to see Goonies and Rocky IV in 1985. And then it became Dave's must watch when he's sick. Yeah. Goonies and uh, those movies, it's hard. This is also hard to understand if you didn't come from a split home. Um, something about my dad taking me to those movies, those movies became so entrenched in yeah. my psyche. Uh, I can remember shadow boxing in the back of the car after Rocky Four coming out after the watching that movie and my dad is so not like a pop culture guy yeah he's, he's the opposite of me he's not into watching tv or movies or anything in fact at times in his life didn't have a television in his adult yeah. life and and so for him to go for, for him to take me to movies yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> for him to take me to movies it just at a time where i only got to see him every other weekend was just a big moment in my young life. And so those movies just became the legendary movies in my brain. Yeah, that would be. And I I mean, like he's living like Ted Kaczynski. It was living La Vida Loca. 
Because that's crazy. Um, part two of Justin's question. What is your go-to sneak in the theater snack? Justin, we don't, we don't, we don't do, that. do that. We're pastors. <laughs> We're pastors, but, of, uh, but if it's off the record, it's a quarter pounder with cheese. <laughs> um no seriously um one time in my young adult years i was wearing cargo shorts and mcdonald's had like a it wasn't a quarter pounder it was the dollar menu yeah and so i remember getting like two or three double cheeseburgers and putting them in my cargo shorts and taking that into the theater does that make me a bad person a little bit if i was to do this justin (laughs) not saying i would you must confess your sins, Cody, <laughs> and repent. Honestly, I have not personally done it. I know people that have with movies that I have gone to. Okay, hold on. And you have never snuck anything into a movie theater. No. Never. No. You're Yeah. So but I'm, I'm married to someone that has, <laughs> so, um, but if I was, it would be, um, I'm a terrible person. Peanut butter M&Ms. Peanut butter M&Ms. I have snuck all sorts of things in a movie theater. Um, I'm, I'm maybe even, no, I'm not going to admit that on the air. I'm not going to admit that on, on our recording. Okay. I'm going to admit it. So maybe since I've become a pastor, I may have snuck. A bottle of water because I didn't want to pay like six bucks for a water. This is why movie theaters are closing, Dave. Because I didn't buy their six (laughs) dollar bottle of water. Yep, that was it. It's all my fault. (laughs) Every movie chain across the nation was affected by that one time. Listen, okay, well, let's just take the time. I don't want to get canceled, so let's just take the time right here. I would like to publicly apologize to the movie theater industry. For not buying that bottle of water from the movie theater. I'd also like to take this time to publicly apologize for Joe Rogan just because everybody's mad at him. So I'll apologize for Joe too. Is there anyone else? I need apparently I need to apologize for the MCU and Kevin Feige because all the directors are mad at him because <laughs> they're making money. Okay. That is all the questions we have for the lobby this week. Okay, um, those were good questions. They were. They were very good questions. Make sure and look out on our social media uh, for the prompt for you to give us your questions for the next pod. That'll be coming up probably a, a day or two after this pod comes out. Usually, I like to drop it on the weekend, the prompt. Yeah. So look out for those on our Facebook page. If you don't follow us on Facebook or Twitter, go ahead and do that. Uh, now get ready. We're going to take a break. And we, when we come back, we'll get to our main subject of the day. It's time for us to talk about the main subject of today's pod. Uh, and the main subject is this. We're going to talk about deep fakes, I guess, CGI mm. and, and where it's at right now. And we're prompted to talk about this because on the most recent episode of Book of Boba Fett, 
um, a recurring character, now a recurring character in the Filoni verse, if you will, or Favreau verse, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, the t- Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau, who both had a hand in creating the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, um, as well as other th- Clone Wars and and Rebels and just a bunch of things Filoni's been involved with. Um, Luke Skywalker showed up, but not Luke, old Luke, young Luke, uh, who actually showed up in Mandalorian season two, the season two finale. He showed up there took Grogu away. Um, but he shows up, uh, obviously we're talking about spoilers for book of Bo- Boba Fett. Yeah. So if you haven't seen all the episodes of book of Boba Fett, maybe now's a good time to turn off the pod and go watch it and then come back and listen. But come back. But come back. And also, if you didn't know that Luke was in it, um, you apparently don't have the internet. Because it's everywhere. You, I, I don't know yeah. how you could not be spoiled on this by now. Because uh, everybody's talking about it. And in specifically, they're talking about, I did not expect the conversation to go where it's gone. But I think it has because the deep fake was really good. Um, the Mandalorian season two uh, uh finale it was kind of it was kind of wooden yeah the cgi of luke skywalker um his face didn't really look right to me but it was you know for someone who's played a lot of video games i'm like oh that's pretty good yeah um but then a couple days later here as the story goes someone did a cgi deep fake on youtube of Luke Skywalker and it blew the one that we had just seen in Mandalorian out of the water. And the, the legend is, is that Lucasfilm hired this dude. Oh, and that he was involved in this one given, um, the improvement because it is an improvement. I mean, yeah, this Luke that appears in the book of Boba Fett. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. But now it leads to this whole other discussion. Um, let's just talk about what do you think of the episode and, and the, the CGI in in particular? Um I mean the the episode was probably the best episode of the Book of Boba Fett to this point. Mm-hmm. Um but the the CGI, like the visuals of it, perfection. Like like they did they stepped up their game. They got it right. Um, but like still the, the, his voice wasn't right to me. Okay. So the voice is, it's interesting. So the voice was CGI too. They used some sort of artificial intelligence to, to clone his voice, his younger voice, um, and, and use it in this thing. Now this is where it gets a little tricky. Mark Hamill had no part in this. Mark Hamill actor who played Luke Skywalker, who helped him in Mandalorian. Um, I'm reading right here. Uh, Mark Hamill was brought to the set so he could actually perform 30 year old looking body double was brought into then Hamill and the body double were effectively put into a visual effects program and blended together on screen until they had a de-aged human effect. Right. Yeah. That's how they did it. Mandalorian. That's how they've been doing it. This they did not use Mark Hamill at all and didn't even use his voice, which opens up this whole other question of, oh, wait a minute. Um, they didn't even need the actor. Is that even legal? So, like, 
the technology they used for his voice, I think, is the technology that um, Val Kilmer's utilizing right now because, like, with his throat cancer, he now uh, can't speak well. And he doesn't sound like Val, but they have utilized uh, this new technology that uh, from previous audio clips that they can synthesize his voice and whatever words he needs to say, they will have it said like Val Kilmer would have said it back in the 80s or 90s or early aughts. Um, So for me... This comes down to a couple of things. Um, A, I feel you got to ask permission for the person whose likeness you're using. And B, you have to pay royalties. Well, the royalties for sure. So the way I understand it, because I, so people have been digging into these contracts now. The way I understand it, the the contracts, especially for these kind of properties, these ongoing world building where the world's already been built, Star Wars, Marvel, anything that's a franchise, the way I understand it, the contracts they sign, they're not just signing for the movie, but for Marvel to use their likeness as that character. Okay. Forevermore. Okay, so so I, I mean, and I'm sure that something in that specifies some sort of royalties, I would imagine, or they might estimate that. But if it was estimated, it was with old, hey, we can't do that sort of thing. Yeah. Technology. I mean, it would seem just like the Scarlett Johansson situation earlier uh, last year where she's like suing Disney because all of a sudden we're streaming movies and she's not getting her cut of that. She's only getting a cut of the theaters, which, you know, COVID was going on, so it wasn't as big. And and so now you've got this, uh, you've got actors butting up again against this new way of doing things where the, the contract is going to have to, um, it's going to have to, to, to address that. But here's the thing that makes it interesting is you've already got all these contracts that are out there, just like the Scarlett Johansson thing, where she signed this contract six years ago. Yeah. She couldn't see the future. Now... Here, I'm going to bring up an interesting name. What about Black Panther? Disney clearly has the technology now to just put Chadwick Boseman on screen as T'Challa. You would have to get permission from his estate. Now, granted, he's dead, and therefore that brings up, you know, Disney bad press, right? Oh, yeah. People would not like that. But Disney's done this before. But they have the power to do it, which is kind of, it It just, it brings a whole new uh, weird kind of thing to, the, to life here where all of a sudden you don't need the actor anymore. Well, I'm going to go to Rogue One. They did it with Grand Moff Tarkin. Because yeah. Peter Cushing died in the nineties, yeah, and, and well, and people reacted, reacted to that. To lot, I don't think a lot of people. I remember reading this. Some people were not. That was they thought that was uncool. Yeah, like Peter Cushing's dead, and there's Grand Moff Tarkin. Clearly, Peter Cushing's version of him, as that's the only version that exists. Yeah, um, on the screen. I guess my point would be, but there's comic books with him in it too. After Peter Cushing died. And so, so, so where do we draw the line? If like 
if there's a press release from Peter Cushing's family that says, hey, we have a contract with Disney Star Wars, they are paying us, and uh, this is what Peter would have wanted. I'm great with it then. Mm-hmm. As long as you have, especially now that, like, um, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker are getting older in their years, the real-life actors, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill, and if something was to happen to them, but if they go on record before they die and say, hey, you can use my likeness, as long as you either... Donate money to this charity. Pay my family. Pay my family, whatever. And then, hey, I'm great with it. But if you don't have that and then you're doing it without asking permission of the estate, that's an issue. Because like you said, you've, you've watched video or played video games and you've seen the CGI in those. Like I'm thinking of a very specific video game where Vin Diesel sold his likeness. And he voiced the character in the video game. Yeah. And he was one of the first ones to do it. And it was a big contract. But it didn't look like this. I uh, mean, look it, at this it, picture. It, I mean, when he's talking to Ahsoka. Yes. Oh, that that looks like Return of the Jedi Luke. But you know for a fact that, hey, Vin Diesel's aware this is his likeness and this is his voice. Yeah. And like... And he got all the royalties and residuals that he was owed. That Those are my two big things, is you have the permission or the awareness of the actor and you pay due compensation because without their image, you have nothing. You might as well reboot. You know, and, and there were all sorts of rumors a couple months back before this Book of Boba Fett premiered that Han Solo might show up in this um, and that they were going to use the same, maybe use the same sort of technology they used uh, with Mark Hamill in Mandalorian and you'd get a de-aged CGI effect of Harrison Ford. Although my whole thing was like, why would you do that? Just get that Aaron uh, Krug or what was yeah, his name the, that played Solo in the Solo movie? Yeah, why don't you just get him? We've already seen him as young Han Solo. Um, but I guess this is five years after Return of the Jedi, so he ages completely differently. Yeah, so maybe it wouldn't work. I don't know. Um, it seems like you could use him for younger stuff, but so say they use this technology for Harrison Ford. And they bring Han Solo into this series in, in, on, in the season finale that's coming up. Mm. I mean, I don't know. It's just very interesting. You mentioned Val Kilmer. This technology has been amazing, especially the voice technology. Yeah. That they've, this is the first time we've seen and heard about the voice technology in a show like this. Um, you mentioned Val Kilmer. He lost his distinctive voice to throat cancer in 2015, but Synantic's deepfake technology recently was used to allow Kilmer to speak again. And in fact, the actor's son was brought to tears upon hearing his father's voice again. Uh, Deep fakes have also been used to break down linguistic barriers, uh, including by English soccer great David Beckham and his malaria no more campaign that enabled Beckham to deliver his message in nine different languages. Wow. So you've got this technology doing great things. Yeah. Kind of surreal things like, David Beckham doesn't know how to speak nine languages, but there he is, right? Yeah. 
And yeah. again, Val's voice was gone. And like the documentary Val, it's his son that narrates it, and he sounds very close to Val Kilmer. And then they introduce that he has this new uh, technology that he can now speak. Yeah. But now we're getting into... Um, so there are state laws on the books uh, that, that they that they'll have to consider um, that specifically address synthetic and dig- digitally manipulated media. Example in 2020 in November, New York enacted a law that expressly bans the use of a deceased performer's digital replica in audiovisual content for 40 years after the performer's death. If that use is likely to, to deceive the public into thinking it was authorized. Oh. Which is which seems kind of broad. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you? Well, they're not trying to deceive you that, uh, you know, just that that seems like a big loophole. Yeah. Um, it could prohibit the use of deep fakes in instances such as uh, the Anthony Bourdain documentary recently, Roadrunner. Controversially, the film's director leveraged deep fake technology to generate generate three lines that brought Bourdain's voice back to life in order to complete the production following his death. Um, this is despite the celebrity chef's widow, Octavia Bourdain, asserting that she didn't give permission for that use. See, I have issue with it. That That's where if you don't get permission, then bring on a friend of Anthony Bourdain to narrate that part. Yeah. It, it's 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 obviously super complicated and obviously has a lot of I just can't believe that I, when I watched that episode the other night it was so good it's so good and the voice you know I could tell it wasn't that they were doing if it was Mark Hamill I could tell they were doing something with his voice mm-hmm. because it did sound different enough but to me it sounded like young Mark Hamill it sounded like a younger version of Luke and so as I'm watching that, I was just I was just blown away by the tech where the technology's at and what they can do. And and because like now the sky's because my head just started reeling now. Well, the sky's the limit now. Now we can what could you make a whole Indiana Jones movie with a deep fake Harrison Ford? Probably. I mean, that's a movie that we've avoided rebooting because we're like, who can be Harrison Ford? CGI could CGI Harrison Ford. But then again, you know, can it uh, one of the wonderful things about these actors we adore like Harrison Ford is he could tell you something without saying something, Mm. his facial movements. And um, I mean, there were moments in all those Indiana Jones movies where the look on his face was, was giving us the mood in a scene. Right. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know if the technology is there yet. I don't know if it can do that. I don't know if it could carry out an entire movie. And that's not even getting into like the legal aspects of, well, 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 because Chadwick Boseman was the first thing that popped in my mind. Well, like, okay, wait a minute now. Uh, Obviously though, the second thing that popped in my mind was they could never do it. People would go crazy because it would be a bad PR move. Even if the family sold off on it. Yeah. I would think people would still have a problem. Yeah, that one was too too recent, too sudden, mm-hmm. um, very tragic, where, like, again, someone that's older, 
dies and you're like, oh, let's go ahead and use them. That's a fond memory. Um, so thegamer.com, a James Trufton, he wrote, this article just came across today as we're recording this. And he is um, very negative on, on the Luke CGI. And he actually brings up Peter Cushing. For Mo- the Grand Moff Tarkin in Thank Solo, you. yeah, um, was that Solo or was it Rogue One? I think both. Oh, he was in both. Okay, Carrie Fisher, uh, Princess Leia was deep faked as well in Rogue One. At the end of Rogue One, remember? Yeah, because that's the scene where Darth Vader comes in and lays waste and goes. And it's the all beginning of the Star mode. Wars scene, right? Yeah. Um, this guy says that the the Luke CGI is monotone, static, and flat. Uh, re, he says recasting would fix that, but Disney won't because fans are content with blocks of wood masquerading as jangling keys. Ooh. <laughs> a CGI character, a mask that makes them look exactly like they did in the eighties, is a bit weird, but it's not terrible. It's an it's akin to an animated show like The Clone Wars, bringing back Count Dooku with Christopher Lee's likeness. Although he doesn't really look like Christopher Lee in those cartoons. Yeah, I mean he's pretty exaggerated the way he looks. But this guy says, but slapping a fake robot robotic voice on top that's fed an algorithm re, of of the character reading audiobooks would be a bit much. Now yeah. early on. Uh, when the rumors that Luke was going to appear, there was a large push to cast Sebastian Stan oh. as a young Luke, which, frankly, looks would, a lot like young Mark Hamill. Would have worked. Yeah. I mean, depending on his schedule. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I'm not that beholden to a character. I, I guess that brings up a point. Like, do we even want this? Because I, if Sebastian Stan was playing young Luke... In, in this iteration of this series, even if they'd already done the deep fake in Mandalorian, if they had, if, if they had put Sebastian Stan in this role as young Luke for this episode, it wouldn't have bothered me too much. I've already seen Han Solo younger, played by a different actor. Maybe that's why Disney has gone this route, is because Solo was so no. <laughs> I... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great movie, but I don't think it was as bad as a lot of people said. But what what has Lucasfilms done whenever anything minimal critiquing happens? We swing dramatically back. This to, is true. To a different. This is true. They have been very um, adjustable according to criticism that they get. I don't know. Uh, uh, many years ago, you might remember there was talk that they were going to reboot the Indiana Jones franchise. Mm-hmm. This was around the time of the, when the first Guardians of the Galaxy came out. And that's been, and has that been 10 years? Ages ago. Uh, and they were looking to cast Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones. And I thought, you know, there's never going to be another Harrison Ford. But that's the dude who could be that character. And he would have a little bit of different flair. Because he's not Harrison Ford. Yeah. But he's his own. He has enough charisma where it would have been like, I still would have liked him. And he's actually quite nerdy. He has a butterfly collection. (laughs) Yeah, right? I mean, it just, 
I, I guess I don't mind recasting. That's the whole thing with T'Challa. I don't understand why there's a push to just change your story. I don't understand why Disney just said, Disney, of all companies, who's not really that nice to their workers. Not at all. There's, there's no history of them being compassionate to their, to their workers, to the people they pay. Hello, Scarlett Johansson. And yet they're going to be all like, well, we would never dream of recasting Chadwick Boseman's character. And I'm just sitting here like, why not? Why? Yeah. Well, because we don't want to be, you know, the black moviegoer had such a special connection with Black Panther. Well, then ask a black moviegoer because right now they're out there screaming, recast T'Challa. So. They think the character's too important. I would say they're operating out of a universe model where if we go Batman model. Just reflush it. That will put someone new, some other big name in, and it will work. Yeah. And the Black Panther storyline lends itself that it would work. There were so many stories that had not been explored yet. And so, uh, but when you have a universe, you want the same actors, you want the same feel. I don't, though. And they haven't proven that. They've changed the Hulk actor. They've changed Rhodey. Those are two major Avengers, War Machine and the Hulk. But it was so early on when like <laughs> no one could see that we're this past, is going to be a universe. We're past the point of no return. That's yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, we've only had one Black Panther movie. We have only had one Black Panther movie, but Black Panther appeared in Endgame and Infinity War. And so I hear you. I, this is one of those where I don't think there's a right answer. I honestly don't. Um, at my personal feeling is, is as a comic book lover, I wanted more T'Challa stories in the MCU, and so or Cha-Cha, as I like to call him, <laughs> and nobody calls him that. Selfishly, I want them to recast because I would just prefer there be more T'Challa stories because he's a really cool character. Um, but I know a lot of people don't feel that way. A lot of people don't want to see another actor play him, and I understand that. It's a, I, I just don't think there's a wrong answer. It's just complicated. and I, I, But I think this kind of complicates it more with the Luke deepfake because now people see the technology of like, oh, well, they could do it. They could. I don't approve of it, but they could. <laughs> well, let's get into the moral issue of it. Okay. Morally, and as men of God here, now let's, let's, let's put our pastor titles up on the table here. Is this weird to be putting these re- ultra realistic uh, creations on film of of people, and and is there something to? I mean, look, it was a good, it's a good effect. It's the best we've ever seen, but there was still something soulless about it. Still something wooden about it. It lacked the invigorating aspect of life. Yeah. I couldn't shake that while I was watching it. Okay. So pastor had on and I would go straight to the second commandment. Thou shall not make any graven images. Mm, Now explain that for everybody Um, who might be listening, who doesn't know what you're talking about. So uh, a graven image is 
a likeness of a usually a deity, but um, for this instance, it will be uh, for a person in the Islamic world. Oftentimes, they don't have faces like features on the faces it is just a silhouette of a face certain indigenous peoples don't like you taking their pictures pictures. aborigines famously um and so uh graven images um tend to lead themselves to worship of said images you you forget about what the actual thing is and you hold on to this image and so for this instance we're forgetting Mark Hamill, the person, and we're clinging on to Luke forever and ever. Amen. And it becomes an idol, and then that's a whole nother commandment. Thou shall not have any idols. But, I mean, quite literally, we are, like, butting up against a graven image where it there's a following. And I mean, in... For- I know this is a long stretch, but in all for all intents and purposes, Luke Skywalker is like a deity in the Star Wars universe. Oh yeah, the way he's regarded by fandom, and so yeah, he's I, mythological. He's legendary. I can see this being a a bit of a moral issue that mm. anytime you elevate something to the love of uh, God. For us, that then becomes a level of worship. And if there are people that are so beholden to the portrayal and appearance of a Luke Skywalker that it cannot be recast, that it has to be Mark Hamill's likeness, it's bordering on the line of worship at that point. Yeah. That this is a hill you're willing to die on, and that is a weird place to be. I will say this. This is just a weird little note that I noticed about myself when I was watching the episode. As I was watching the episode, anytime he was on screen, he was on screen with another character. Yes, yes. And every time I found my eyes avoiding him, like I didn't want to look at him. I liked listening to him, and I looked at the characters reacting to him. But there was something about the image of the digital effect that I just, it was weird. It was like in my subconscious because now looking back, I don't know why I did it, but I just didn't, I didn't like looking at him. Yeah. And I agree with uh, the, the person that you quoted that it, the, the vocal quality seemed flat to me. And so like, I really wasn't even huge on listening to him because it was like a very slow, um, emotionless kind of read where Mark Hamill is one of the greatest voice actors of our generation. Yeah, that's true. We didn't, (laughs) we we hadn't brought that up. And so I, I don't know why you, you go this way, except his voice does sound different than it did back in 1980. Mm -hmm. Um, For what it's worth, our guy, James Trotton of the gamer.com goes on to react to the largely positive reaction. And he says, it's terrifying that roles for other actors are being shirked and it presents a new problem that could grow if this becomes more commonplace. So he's going to get into a lot of the things we've just talked about. 
Why hire actors for Star Wars games and shows when you get an AI to do the work? Yes. What's stopping them from dredging up dead actors and putting them into other games? Like having them, say, Marlon Brando in GTA 6. It sounds ridiculous, like it's a joke that's not possible, but we're watching that happen in real time. And then he says exactly what you just said. Mark Hamill, one of the most talented voice actors working today, is still alive and wasn't hired to voice himself. That is the most bananas <laughs> part of this whole story. He says Disney is setting a slippery slope of a precedent, one that pushes away actual actors in favor of hollow recreations. Now, I will say, because of many things we've already talked about, it just doesn't work yet. I don't know you could do this with a whole cast. No. In fact, I think that I think they intentionally don't put him on screen by himself, that he's always in a scene with another character. I think that's intentional. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how much more of this they've got going on because, the, like I said, a couple months back, there were some heavy rumors and, and, and rumblings that Han Solo was going to appear in this this series. Now that's looking less, less probable. Um, but in the Obi-Wan series, you have all manner yeah. of possibilities there now with that, because you've got Jedi who can appear, you know, via their, you know, spiritual form. I don't know what they call that. Ghosts. They're ghost forms. <laughs> now, if this technology proceeds, and like the the vocal qualities get better. A person that I would bring back, not so much for like acting, but vo voices, Orson Welles. Oh wow! Very distinct voice. Yeah. Um. He did the. Uh, he was Unicron. He was in Unicron. The I was going to say yeah. he was Unicron in Transformers, and uh, he did. Uh, Magnum P.I., the uh, guy that actually owned the place but was never there. Uh, wow. What's his name? That is a deep cut. It I, is. I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't remember that. Um, so there was Higgins, but it was Master somebody, wasn't it? Okay, now I got to look this up. You keep talking. Uh, yeah, so I'm, a, a screen rant. Also wrote an article. Screen Rant is notoriously kind of cynical. And so um, they posted a bunch of Twitter reactions to the fact that Mark Hamill wasn't used at all. And they uh, they just posted a bunch of negative reactions to it. So there are people, and this kind of came out, I think, I think it was earlier today, maybe late yesterday, when the news came out of Mark Hamill wasn't a part of this at all. And so this is still pretty fresh as we're recording this. Um, at the end of the day, I I don't know. I don't know where this goes from here. But I know it's all of a sudden we went it went from like I watched the episode and I was super excited. I was super excited. And it was like, wow, that was really cool. But then again, I'm t I already admitted that I couldn't look directly at Luke for a long time. Like, I didn't want to. It was almost like something in me didn't want to. Um, maybe it's the graven image stuff. I don't know. My yeah. subconscious, my, my the Holy Spirit was protecting me. I don't know. Robin Masters. 
Okay. Yeah, that's the dude that owned the mansion that Tom <laughs> Selleck's just hanging out in, and that's Orson Welles. He has a cool voice. I'm so, all for Orson. So it would maybe skirt that um, state law where they've if they've been dead for 40 years. Um, they're free game, I guess. Is that we're we're, we're getting really close for Orson because he died in '88. So where was this law when we're like doing holographic Tupac Shakur concerts? <laughs> And Snoop Dogg singing with holographic Tupac. Yeah. Where was it then? Also, does it matter if Tupac's not really dead? <laughs> Is it legally dead or presumed dead? I don't I don't know. That's a good question. Elvis is apparently fair game though. Oh. According to that. For ball. sure. We could like you could just put young Elvis in an MCU movie. Make it happen. Uh, or I, not. Can I be the first to play, say, um, young Elvis deepfake as Simon Williams, a.k.a. Wonder Man, in the next Avengers movie? Book it. <laughs> Book it. Make it happen. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm here to see it be tried. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird because, yeah, I'm excited for the technology and what they can do with it. But also, there's a little part of me that's kind of scared. I feel that there should be a time frame that you you can only use it within like this certain time period and then gone. Okay. I agree. I agree. I think it's, I think it's a weird touchy thing and we're going to have to like go. I think they should go very slowly and kind of feel their way around this, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the morality of it and not be too gung ho to use this technology all over the place. Be very careful with it, but it is exciting. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's it. Yeah. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Hey, we got to get out of here. Uh, we've, we've talked for about as long as we need to talk today. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast, pop culture pastor. If you like the podcast, please follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're listening, maybe give us a review, write down what you like about the podcast on the review, what you don't like. No, 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 don't, that don't do that. Me cry. <laughs> so <laughs> don't do that. Oh, follow us on Facebook or Twitter if you're on one of those uh, social media networks. And stay tuned because we've got some big things coming up the pike. We want to go to Comic Cons. And in order to raise money to do that, to go um, be a part of these comic conventions, we're going to start selling some fundraising merch. Swag. We've already got some coffee mugs. Bow, 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 bow. But that was <laughs> terrible. That was just terrible. No, wah, 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 wah. You know? <laughs> that was, see, it's not as good as mine. Uh. <laughs> but uh, stay tuned because we'll have some t shirts coming really soon as well. And that'll all be available. We'll probably make them available on our Facebook page because it's easy to kind of integrate that into there. Um, and then you can pick up some stuff, help us get to Comic Cons, and maybe we'll see some of you there. I hope so. All right. Thank you so much. We love you guys, and we'll uh, see you on the next pod.